The following podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. I always forget when it's my turn. I just want to hear the whole song. And I think that at some point we should play the entire song at the end of one of our episodes because I love this song. And I never hear it. Hey, guys, welcome to True Crime on Easy Street. My name is Scott Wright, and I'm a mediocre journalist. I'm Kelly Turner, and I'm not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens. I'm not a lawyer. And the link to this song is in every <laughs> show notes that we do. <laughs> the legend of Hannah, Hannah Brady. Brady. And didn't Shane write this song when he was a teenager? Didn't you tell me that? No, but he did have like a dream or something and woke up. Okay, there was some weird story about how this song was written. And He's made- old. It, it, it didn't happen that long ago. Okay, all right. Never mind. Forget <laughs> it. Forget the whole darn thing. Um, welcome back to another episode. We did, uh, you've just, if you're tuning in today uh, and you listen to everything that we do, then you know that last week we just finished our second of a two-part series about H.H. H. Holmes, a case that happened hundreds of years ago. Well, maybe over a hundred years ago. This one more recently, and I don't know very much about it. I get to play the dummy today, which means I mostly am just going to sit here and be quiet as best I can. And uh, you guys will talk about this week's case. So enlighten me along with the rest of the listeners today, because I don't know what we're doing. All right. So today we're going to bring it back to the state of Alabama and we're going to Atala. Alabama. Not very far from here at all. No, not far at all. To talk about a crime that occurred in 2008. I watched a very good documentary on this particular crime. It was an episode of a series of documentaries, but it's called Wicked Bromance. Mm -hmm. And this particular episode featured this crime. And they talked to the private investigator. They talked to the victim's stepmother. Um... You get a lot of those good, really good interviews. I thought they did a really good job. So that's going to be, right. uh, that's a reference link in today's show notes. If you want to check that out, um, you can find it. Um, just pretty much Google it. And yeah, I think it was the, IMDb or something. Yeah. Yeah. You can find it. Be, yeah, IMDb really will always get you started. If you want to mm-hmm. find something that's been, that's a film in any way, shape or form, IMDb is always a good place to get started. Yes. So, in Atala, Alabama, we first start off discussing an individual named Nathaniel Wayne Lee. Now, his parents are going to divorce when he is a toddler, and his mom is going to move away, and Nathaniel, is, who goes by Nathan, is going to live with his father. His father is a successful anesthesiologist. Now, when Nathan is 15 years old, uh, his father is going to die of cancer. And this is going to leave Nathan with no one to live with but his aunt and uncle. Now, unfortunately, the 15-year-old Nathan is going to be the one who finds his father's body after he passes. So, a very traumatic, difficult time for young Nathan. Um, He moves in with his aunt and uncle, and he lives with them to finish out his high school. Now, growing up... The neighbors describe Nathan as a weird kid. You know, people just use the word weird when they describe him. They show a lot of pictures of Nathan as he's growing up in this documentary. And a lot of them, you see the young child is sitting there and he will have his hand up either over part of his face or like over, like trying to block his face from the camera um, Some people just don't like to have a, their picture taken. He had a weird thing about pictures and didn't want to have his photograph taken. Um, so they just kind of said he was just just weird. You know, a lot of kids when you say that cheese, you know, a lot of the kids' pictures you can literally see their little lip, like they're going cheese, you know, and they're smiling, and it yeah, that's how the picture goes. But he didn't do that, so it was it's kind of an odd behavior out of him as a child but when he's 15 years old and he moves in with his aunt and uncle he they describe as what he quote plays nice uh his goal is to just get to be an adult live on his own but in high school he finishes uh as vice president of his senior class and is voted most dependable oh wow so he so not a not a complete outcast right nope he's able to interact with other 
kids his age okay. and and because you had me likeable. thinking outcast well, when you started that it's pretty likable obviously not yeah but his journals are going to show another side of him when they look back and look at his journals they're going to see a lot of rage and if you have a lot of rage journaling is a great way to get that out on paper um but they tend to, when you go on to commit a crime, they tend to look back at your journals and say, ha, huh, you know, mm-hmm. kind of thing. So in those journals, we see rage. He wrote a letter to his girlfriend saying that he was going to kill her because her ex was talking to her. Now that's a little extreme. That's, that's, a, that's, we're starting to step over that line where we see a little bit of him. When it's one there. thing to be jealous. It's another thing to threaten to kill your new your ex-girlfriend's No, your girlfriend. Boyfriend. Yeah, well, going to kill her for talking to... Yes. The ex Sorry. is talking to you. I'm going to kill you. Okay. Yeah, so that's, that's too much. That's, some, that's stepping over a line. But he makes it to age 18. And now he's an adult. So he leaves his aunt and uncle's house and he truly becomes who he wants to be. He inherits his father's estate. So in spring of 2008, he is now 19 years old. Nathan Lee inherits this estate. He has a large home. He has lots of land and a trust fund to live on. Yeah, because in the state of Alabama, you're not technically an adult until 19. Right. Okay, I did. So I, I would have assumed 18, but Katie is like you pay, our resident legal expert. You pay child support on a kid until they're 19. Okay. Like it's, mm-hmm. it, you're not an adult until you're 19. You can't sign contracts. You can't do any of that until you're 19. Okay. So when he, when he, officially becomes 19 he is able to get what's has been left or willed to him since he was 15 and his father passed away which is this large home this trust fund this estate all this land are are we talking tens of thousands hundreds of thousands millions do you know i'm not sure the exact total um i just know that his father was a very busy and very successful anesthesiologist probably so hundreds say, of thousands, a, a good bit and yeah. a good piece of land and a nice large house. Probably had life insurance. I mean, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Nathan, again, as I said, he's 19 years old. He's going to host lots of parties. Got a lot of friends over, um, quote friends, you know, mm. they like to come and party. Yeah, sure. He's buying all the beer. Yeah. And he's going to hold power over all of these friends because he does have the money and he likes that. He enjoys that quite a bit. Now, enter Troy Smiley. Troy Smiley is 22 years old at the time, and he is friends with Nathan Lee. He hangs out there at Nathan's all the time. Now, Troy is a day laborer, so he just kind of goes back and forth from different day labor type jobs. Uh, but he likes Nathan's money, and he likes the partying and the, that whole lifestyle. The next person I want to introduce is Nathan's 15-year-old neighbor, Blake Stone. Now, Blake lives across the street from Nathan, and he thinks that Nathan is cool. He likes going over there and hanging out with the older boys, and, and he thinks that they're really, really cool. Now, Nathan often tells Stone, young Blake Stone, that he's too young to be with him and his friends. Yeah, he's kind of annoyed by Blake always wanting to come over there and hang out. Which he is, really. I mean, he's 15. He is too young to be over there. It's like Mm -hmm. the younger brother that you don't want hanging out with you. When you finally get your driver's license and he's two years younger, you're like, no, you go play with your friends. I'm going to go play with my friends. Mm -hmm. We'll talk in four years when you get older. Yes. Um, So, now, Blake Stone is a typical teenage boy. He's got blonde hair, blue eyes. He's very, very tall for his age. He's like 6'3". And he's really, really thin. Um, He is the son of Jeffrey Stone. um, And that's his father. And then his stepmother's name is Lynn Stone. And he is a student at Sardis High School. Okay. Um, Blake wants to hang out, as I said, with the, with the older boys and because they're cool and all that. But Nathan, in the midst of having all of these parties, he also likes to collect guns. So he buys guns and he and Troy would shoot these guns all of the time on this property. In fact, later on, 
when they're investigating everything that happens and they look back on Nathan's property, there are lots and lots of rounds just all over the property. Where Stuck in the trees or... Just on the ground, just everywhere. And okay. so you think about when, you know, in the South here, a lot of people have firearms. They go to the shooting range to shoot their guns. They go, we have outdoor and indoor shooting ranges around everywhere. here. And you do that. It, it, it's... You don't see a whole lot of shooting at your home. And if you do, it's very controlled. It's in maybe in one spot and it's it's one or two rounds or, or maybe a, a half of a clip. Oh, and or, it's done safely. Yeah. And it's not all over the property, just, just everywhere. Right. You know, where it just looks like they're just running around firing guns, just chaotic. Um, so that's, one of the things that, that to kind of paint this picture of Nathan and Troy even more, how they just live this partying, dangerous lifestyle. Um, Nathan was also a known tormentor of animals. So that sorry. sounds like a red flag. <laughs> sorry about that. We've talked about guy. that before. Yeah, he once shot a dog because, ah. I know, because the dog growled at him. And he said the dog growled at me, so he had to put him down. And the dog was Nathan's dog that he had gotten, and uh, the dog growled at him, which, you know. Um, Maybe the dog was just a very good judge of character. I think we're going to find that out. Yeah. Uh, but he said, so he had to put him down. Uh, now, back to Troy. Troy's smiling. He is, um, like I said, he's the day laborer. He loves hanging out with Nathan. He loves spending Nathan's money and having all the parties. And Troy's also a drug user. He has a police record for possession of opioids. Um, and he likes to, uh, he'll hang out with Nathan and he'll put up with a lot of things because the money keeps coming in for the alcohol and the drugs. And they also like to play thrill games. An example of one of the thrill games that they like to play is they would hold their hands over a candle and then, you know, the first one to move their hand away had to drink. That was like one of their drinking games. That was sort of one of the more milder thrill type games that they, that they would play and just trying to seek out a thrill. That would have been my first and last visit to that party pad that night. Yeah. If that was the mildest game that they played. Yeah. And so now we'll go back to the 15 year old Blake Stone. Now, Blake has a dog that is inseparable to him. It's, his dog's his best friend, Sarge. I'm familiar with the And concept. the dog goes everywhere that Blake goes. And so when, when Blake goes up to Nathan, Sarge goes along. And so one day, um, Nathan almost kills Sarge by choking him. In fact, he choked the dog. So much that one of the dog's eyeballs popped out. But Blake is able to get the dog away from Nathan before he actually kills him. And he takes the dog home and he makes up some story and that the dog ends up being okay. Um, but the the stepmother and the father, they immediately see right through this story. Uh, okay. And they realize that um, he doesn't need to go over to Nathan's anymore. So, um, Lynn, Blake's stepmother, confronts Nathan. And Nathan tells her, look, we don't want him hanging around here at our house any more than you want him over here. He's a young kid. He's He's too young to be here. Yeah, he's annoying to us anyway. I mean, if I see him coming across my my property, he says, I don't want to hurt his feelings, and I don't want to have to shoot him. Those are the exact words that Nathan says to Lynn Stone. And Lynn says, well, look, don't shoot him. Call me and I will make sure that he is off of your property. We are going to tell him he's not allowed to be on your property. But if you see him on your property, just call me. Don't shoot him. Yeah. So Blake is ordered to never go back. So Nathan and Troy, they're going to continue their parties and games until finally they get bored. And they decide they don't want to just go hunting and shoot their gun. They want to hunt a human. I think we've done this before as well. mm -hmm. So Troy has gun connections 
He has he knows people on the street that that sell guns because they don't want the gun getting traced back to them. So they don't want to use any of the guns that Nathan owns. So they purchase some guns on the street through Troy's connection. And they drive around looking for a victim. And they almost have a victim on a couple of occasions. But for whatever reason, that plan gets busted, whether someone drives up or, you know, something happens and they're not able to hunt, quote, hunt a human. Yeah. So finally, Nathan comes up with this idea and he's like, we're going to target Blake, the 15-year-old neighbor. He's gullible. We can, we can, you know, he'll do whatever. We can, we can talk him into whatever. And so he'll be easy. So in the meantime, Blake has gotten a girlfriend. And on March the 24th, 2008, he wants to go hang out with his girlfriend at a local pizza place. Now his stepmom says that she will take him, but he's got to clean his room first. You know, that whole bit. I'm not going to take you anywhere. I've told you to clean your room. Clean it, and I'll take you. Because he's 15, he can't drive himself. I feel like uh, Kelly Turner, mother of two, has probably had this conversation in her own home before. I have. Yeah. (laughs) Many times. And Katie, maybe you as well, but not me. (laughs) I have. Um, So this, Blake is very upset about this because he wants to meet her at a certain time. And cleaning his room is going to get in the way of that. You know, so he's... Well, he should have thought about that the day before. (laughs) he's not happy about that. So he, Blake, sneaks out and goes over to Nathan's. And he wants Nathan to take him there. And Nathan agrees to take Blake to meet her under one condition. I don't like it already. You go shooting with us first. Mm -mm. So Blake agrees and they head into the woods. Time that could have been spent cleaning his room, perhaps. Now, once they're into the woods, Nathan is going to shoot his gun a few times. He's going to get Blake to shoot it a few times. Troy's shooting a few times. You know, they're they're putting on this facade that they're out shooting. And then now they're headed back to the house and it's time, going to be time to take Blake to meet his girlfriend. And Nathan fires a shot that just goes past Blake's head just to, just to quote, scare him. And so Blake quickly realizes that this is, something's gone wrong this is not you know and he starts to get scared and nathan you know nathan you know plays with him a little bit but then he finally shoots blake and kills him and they bury him in a shallow grave and cover him with lime off of a back road in the area somewhere away from nathan's property in a secluded spot so they find you know in alabama it's not hard to find a secluded back road somewhere to yeah. bury a body. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's just not. not. Yeah. Um, so when Lynn, the stepmother, disco- discovers that Blake is missing, she immediately goes over to Nathan's. And she says, immediately. Okay. And she knocks on, she knocks on the door, but there is no answer. So she waits a little bit and she comes back with Blake's father. Again, no answer. And so they start looking for Blake and nothing. They can't find him anywhere. So they finally report him missing. And Lynn tells the cops that she thinks that he went over to Nathan's house. And she tells them about the comments that Nathan had made previously about if I see him on my property, I don't want to hurt his feelings and I don't want to have to shoot him. Right. So she tells them. She smells, she smelled crazy a long time before this happened. Because one thing that I did not tell you about Lynn Stone is Lynn Stone is a doctor. She is a, a clinical psychologist. Oh, wow. Okay. So means, she definitely smells crazy yes. when she's when she's around it. Yes. Lynn has a PhD in clinical psychology. Okay. And so she knows these red flags to look for. And she has seen them time and time again when she has been around Nathan Lee. So she tells the the police about those comments and uh, the cops talk to Nathan 
They go over, they talk to him, and he says, yeah, Troy and I, we dropped Blake off at the pizza place for his date. Uh, but I will say... How long is that story going to hold? Nathan says, I will say this. Blake was very upset with his stepmom. He, they had been arguing. He's constantly coming over here because he hates his stepmom and she hates him and they're always at odds. And so he starts, you know, planning those little poison pills uh-huh. against Lynn. At this time, the cops are like, no, nope, he's not a suspect. Nothing, nothing here. So they move along. Days turn into weeks and these, quote, anonymous tips start coming in stating that Blake has been seen at different places. Oh, uh, I want to remain anonymous, but I saw him over here. I saw him over there. Turns out it's Nathan and Troy calling in these anonymous Mm. tips. Yeah. Now, after about a month, the cops are going to start to focus on Lynn, the stepmom. You have got to be fucking kidding me. No, the community. Please tell me you're kidding me. No, the community is going to turn on Lynn too. Holy shit. Because these anonymous tips are going to continue to come in and they're going to point that focus to Lynn. We can't trace a phone call in 2008. I have, you know, they they have those lines today where you can call in anonymous tips. I don't know how that works. Yeah. I don't know why you would do that today, but I guess people there, I can see the reason why they would still have an anonymous tip line to this day. Absolutely. I agree with anonymous tip lines in general, but they're just, and, and he's just, he's, he's, he's planting these seeds out into the community because not everybody knows this side of Nathan Lee. Okay. He's very good at being charming and interacting with other people. They just know him as his father was this really successful anesthesiologist and, and, and who poor. now is has more money than he can spend. He has parties at his house every weekend and crazy shit happens and there's gunfire all the time. I, I mean, is this going to be another one of those, the cops are idiot stories because I smell it coming and you may want to cut that. <laughs> Because it seems like we've done plenty of those. And I know that cops can only deal with what they can prove. Mm -hmm. We've done, you know, when we talked about the Zodiac, Mm -hmm. plenty of suspects there. What can we prove? If we can't prove it, we can't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. But really? Well, it just seems like they're very focused on Lynn and not Nathan. They're, They're, you know, they start, when someone dies, they cast a small net. Yeah. And then they get their net gets bigger. And Fair so they're they're casting that small net to the immediate family. And unfortunately the the stepmom it, it, it's such a cliche, but it's such a believable cliche because yeah. um the stepmom that doesn't get along. Well, it's like when the wife dies, and, the husband's the first suspect every time. Uh-huh. Yeah. And a lot of but, times it's right. Now, Lynn in the interviews that she gives for this the documentary that I had mentioned, she talks about how she is telling the police the different encounters that she's had with Nathan and they just don't want to believe it because he's very good at charming them, talking with them and just just being, you know, looking like the angel when they go to talk to him. Sounds like idiot cops to me. <laughs> and so anyways, uh, but... But now, Lynn, I told you she's a she's a clinical psychiatrist or psychologist, and um, her husband works as part of a medical team at a maximum security prison. Now, I'm not exactly sure what he does as part of the medical team, but he works in a maximum security prison, so they understand when they see a criminal mind, and they're very much convinced that Nathan had something to do with Blake's disappearance. Unlike the police, apparently. Unlike the police at this time. So they began putting up flyers with Blake's picture on them everywhere. They're they're putting them all throughout the town. And remember, I said the community has turned on Lynn. Mm-hmm. But she is pressing through. She's, she's putting these flyers up. She's continuing on. And Nathan and Troy begin to sabotage these efforts. Are you shocked by that? No, I'm going to pretend to be, right? but I'm not. So enter a local private investigator named Philip Hollingsworth. 
Now, he volunteers to help the stones out because all of this focus on Lynn is not adding up to him. When he okay. hears the story. Thank God, some looks, sanity. He looks at everything. He's like, I'm going to look into this. And he volunteers to help them. He does not agree with the local sheriff's department focusing only on Lynn. So he drops in on Nathan. Nathan is very friendly and he tells basically the same story to the PI that he told the cops. Yeah, we dropped him off at the pizza place. He's He talked a lot about how angry he was at Lynn. You know, the same story. Mm-hmm. So the PI drops in on Troy. Now, Troy's story is a little bit different. Mm. Now, Troy says that only Nathan dropped Blake off on that day, that he was not there. And the PI goes, hmm, well, that's different. So then he goes back to Nathan, and he says, now, I just talked to Troy, and Troy says that you're the only one that dropped him off, That, uh, but you were telling me that both of you dropped him seems like a pretty basic fact to sit around Mm -hmm. over beers and make sure you have straight before you go to the cops with it Mm -hmm. and the pi says that nathan stumbles in his response it's caught him off guard and so then the pi tells the sheriff and the investigator this and says this is what i've got do they buy it or is it still a beatrice six situation where they don't buy it they don't want to hear it oh my god i know i know they don't want to hear it and i just lost my clicker pen Scott has thrown his pen across the room. So the Stones, Jeffrey and Lynn, Blake's parents, they keep investigating and looking for Blake because Blake is still missing at this time. Are we talking weeks, months? Months. Okay. So Nathan gets frustrated because they're continuing. I mean, they're they're doing this. They're cranking up the heat. Yeah. You know, putting these posters everywhere. Well, the police aren't. He is inundated with these posters of Blake. The family is and the, the PI is. Mm-hmm. The cops are like, no, nah, you're good. Don't worry about it. Yes. And so Nathan's Jesus getting frustrated Christ. and he's going to, he's going to try to intimidate them <clears throat> at times. And then he's going to quickly flip to being, you know, the nice guy again. So they're going to see a little bit of that change. The more that they keep poking the spare. Okay. You know, and, and, and trying to figure out what, happens. I guess that's how to do it when the, Law enforcement won't cooperate, right? Yep. And in the meantime, Troy is feeling the pressure. Troy has become very agitated and extremely depressed. And he's using more and more because Troy ultimately at the end of the day is not okay, according to his own words, Mm -hmm. with what has happened. Mm -hmm. It's getting to him. It's a game to Nathan. Doesn't bother Nathan. It seems to be bothering Troy. So Nathan and Troy, they go back to Blake's grave and they actually notice that some of the body is exposed due to the rain and the elements as time has passed. So they put the body in the truck and they take the body back to Nathan's house and put it in a freezer in the garage. And Nathan is just elated by this. Like he has outsmarted the cops. They, the body was on that road exposed and nobody even noticed. And he was able to get it and move the body. And, and he's just, this is just part I of I cannot game. wait for this stick of dynamite to explode. And I assume we're getting to that. We're getting and again, I'm the dummy here today. <laughs> so please continue. But this is part of that thrill game, the thrill of hunting human and then hiding the body and then toying with the family and the cops and, and he's getting away with it. Yeah. And and he's just, this is just part of that game. And don't forget inept law enforcement. <laughs> and then Nathan calls Lynn. He starts calling Lynn and reports seeing Blake walking down the road or somewhere. He, he'll just, he's taunting. And one day Nathan calls Lynn while he's standing near her driveway and he says, do you want me to, to help you look for Blake? He's now offering to help. And Lynn, she says, sure. And she says she does this because she wants to go down there and she wants to face him. She wants to see his face. Okay. And the more she talks about the stress of the situation, the bigger the smile on his face is getting. And again, she's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And so she's, she's playing that, with him at this point. Yes. And she's seeing that 
joy on his face the more she talks about the situation being And it just stressful. solidifies in her mind the kind of person she's dealing with. And she is 100% sure she says at this time. It, it was him. Yeah. And so, um, Troy, in the meantime, as I said, is continuing to unravel. Coming apart. He is. And he is constantly using and using. And he's going to end up telling someone about the murder. Oh, no. And this person is going to tell his mother that Troy has said this. And this mother is going to call the sheriff. Sure. Good. Did he buy it then? The sheriff? Yes. Really? He does. And so they're going to bring in Troy and they're going to question him. And it's not going to take very long. And he is going to sing like a little bird. And he's going to tell them everything. But now he's going to blame Nathan mostly. Now, according to Troy's story, it was... All Nathan's idea, mostly Nathan. I was just going along. You know, he he does okay. kind of make himself an not accessory look as bad. to murder. Yes, yes. Um, but if you look at the personalities of the two boys, that's pretty believable. I mean, uh, so far, based on just what you've told me in the last twenty minutes, it yeah. sounds like he was the one who got dragged along into this thing and, and didn't want to be involved. Stop. And yeah, yeah, could have stopped the situation, but probably would have ended up dead as well. How did he try to? Because Nathan was pretty much the dominant one, and, mm-hmm. and he was he was hell bent on hunting a human, and yeah. so I think he could have had just as easily turned and, and hunted Troy as Troy ran away. Yeah. Hey, by the way, uh, I got two bullets left. Run. Yeah. So um, at five oh one p.m. on July the seventh, two thousand and eight. Now remember, he went missing in March. Okay. Investigators show up to the Stones' home and tell them that Blake's body has been located, and they did locate him in the freezer in the garage on Nathan's property. And Nathan is arrested. And now I'm going to turn it over to Katie. Oh, all right. Well, this freezer was just behind a garage door, about six inches on the other side of of a wall. And uh, police found in the freezer a plastic container that had Blake's body in it. And the freezer was only hidden by a quilt. So they didn't, he didn't try to really hide. It's a quilt shaped like a, a freezer. Well, and I think you pretty much know what's under that point, quilt. At this point, the cops have already talked to him and they're not interested in Nathan. Well, let's, I've said enough bad things about law enforcement today. <laughs> Let me not say anything else. Well, it's, it's this, they dropped the ball on this. I mean, Hugely. they really did not. And, and, and honestly, in, I would love to hear from them why they were so quick to dismiss Nathan other than maybe they just didn't have anything. Or maybe I, his, I have no idea. Maybe his late father was rich and you know how in small communities in Northeast Alabama, I mean, you know, it, sometimes you just get a pass. Possibly. And, and the fact that he was very charming. Possibly. And, you know, was able to, he didn't come off as, as an oddball when they when they went to interview him, I don't know. I mean, without them being able to say here, it does kind of seem like, what the hell were you doing? Nathan and Troy are both charged with felony murder and abuse of a corpse. And Nathan is on trial first. Of course, they're tried separately. And as a part of a plea deal, um, he pleads guilty to murder and abuse of a corpse and he is sentenced to 30 years in prison and this is not a capital case so there's no chance of the death penalty in this case and that was kind of a point of outcry for people around but there was just it was never even on the table it was it's it was not a capital case but capital i mean the basic definition of a capital murder case katie tell me if i got this wrong is if it's premeditated Right. There's one other thing. What he, is the other thing about capital murder? He was not charged with capital murder. But I mean, the, if you're going to be charged with capital murder, it's got to be premeditated. This was definitely premeditated. Right? So there must. there's that one other thing that I can never remember. And we've talked about this before, about what it is that qualifies as capital murder in the state of Alabama. And I can't remember. Well, and I, I that was a big issue in my research for this was why they didn't 
why it was not a capital murder case. In the articles that I found, they just kept saying it's not. They didn't explain why. It's got to have some type of aggravating circumstance. Like, it's usually you're committing a murder while you're committing another felony. Okay, that's um, it. If you're robbing a bank and you commit murder, mm-hmm. that's capital murder. And I kind of feel like the law should have some sort of... What what am I trying to say? Like an addendum or something, or or yeah, if you're an just amendment? A, if you're just a lousy piece of shit and well, you mean, kill somebody for no reason whatsoever, this, and you know you're going to do it before it happens, yeah. And this particular incident is just just a, a thrill killing. I'm just really angry right now. It is. It is a very. It, it will make you. I'm infuriated you, yes, about all of yes, this. Yes, your face is very red. But mine, I was, I stayed upset. What the fuck happened here? This. Yeah, I think it is, and I think laws should be changed because I think in this particular case, you should be able to try him for capital murder. I'm not going to say anything else for the rest of this episode. I'm, I'm afraid you. I'm going to end up in jail. Yep. But yeah, it's there were there were no aggravating offenses committed while he committed the murder, so. He did get the abuse of a corpse charge too because they moved that body after the fact and stuffed it in a plastic container and put it in his freezer. And there should be more charges for calling in these tips and 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 the taunting and all of that. But yeah. I guess they were just trying to get everything that they could and that was what they could get. And a part of his plea meant that he waived his right to appeal his conviction and his sentencing. Good. So, All right. Well, yeah, at least he's not going to tie up the court system. He's going to spend his and you probably, 30 years. You probably don't ever, like, plead guilty to capital murder. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm sure once you get, that's probably a portion of a plea deal is getting it away from capital murder because there would be no point in pleading guilty to capital murder yeah. if you have the death penalty on the, right. on the table. You know, does that make sense? Yes, like, absolutely. You would, you would get tried for that. Like, if, if it's capital murder or Unless nothing. you're the, the Halloween killer guy that we talked about who requested the death penalty. Right. Exa- yeah, exactly. And then they, they there was a lot of controversy wanting to um, make sure, like, do the psych evaluations on him because he was requesting it. You know, I, I and I'm not for the show, just for my own curiosity. I have some friends, uh, in Atala, mm-hmm. who have been there for years and years and years. I'm not going to say anyone's name, but I'm going to call a couple of these people that I know and just see if they know anything. If just they can get the community's perspective. Yes, just a community it. perspective about what happened about this case because mm-hmm. I'm hearing this all for the first time and it's only, th- what, 35, 40 miles away, but that's just far enough away mm-hmm. in the way that the communities around here work. We don't know what the hell is going on in Atala or Sardis or mm-hmm. Rainsville. Yeah. Just like they don't know what's going on in Center or Cedar Bluff or Sand Rock. And I would love to do an update after you get a community perspective on I'm, this. And I would I'm going to make that know, phone call in the morning. I would love to know if they were part of the community that actually turned on Lynn and believed for a while that, that Lynn was responsible for Blake's disappearance. I know who to call. Well, and the district attorney at the time said that the... This plea was important to the family because of the fact that he waived his right to appeal and that it stated the state wouldn't need any testimony from the co-defendant to convict him. So they didn't have to get anything from Troy. So what happened to Troy? Well, Troy's tried next. Sorry, and, I didn't mean to skip ahead. No, Troy, that's fine. Troy is tried next and he pleads guilty as well to the same charges, murder and abuse of a corpse. And he does state that Lee pulled the trigger and Lee admits to that. He said, like Nathan says, I I was the one who pulled the trigger. So there's no Okay. There's no argument. So why over is that. Troy guilty of murder if he didn't pull the trigger? He's b- guilty of abuse of a corpse and accessory to murder. He was not charged with accessory to murder. He was charged with murder. I, I'm still confused, but go ahead. Sorry. And his attorneys uh, pleaded for his sentence to be reduced. That he he'd already served almost four years at the time, of his trial. Okay, and they wanted his sentence to be reduced dr- dramatically, but like uh, time served and basically, yeah. he walks. Mm-hmm. Okay, that and he'd had an agreement already in place because you know he'd helped lead police to the body that that his sentence would be reduced because of that help. And his agreement with them was that he would be sentenced to 25 years. So he, he basically got 
five years less. And so they were really happy once the sentencing came out because the judge at the time, I mean, they can sentence him to whatever. It didn't, like, this wasn't like a, you know, the sentencing agreement, they agreed to at, to maximum 25 years. But the judge could have gone less. Like, right. Like, that's the what judge is not tied to that. Mm-mm. Right, so prosecution agreement. Right, and it, it was like a Whatever. maximum situation, but they he could have gave them less, and the defense attorneys were pleading for that, but the the judge come back come back and gave him the twenty five years that they'd agreed to, and the district attorney is on record saying how happy that they were that the judge stuck to their agreed upon twenty five year sentence and didn't reduce it like the defense attorneys really wanted him to. Um, during the hearing. The sheriff testifies that the investigators at the sheriff's office had gotten information that Smiley knew something about the case. And then while following up on that lead, of course, he, like Kelly mentioned, he cooperated with investigators. And then, I mean, he showed them exactly where the body had been buried originally and then told them where they had moved the body. And in this case, too, there was a community outcry for the death penalty. Once again, the sheriff had to be like, look, this is not a capital case. There, there's no way the death penalty is coming out on this one. Did stepmom get a public apology from the Etowah County Sheriff's Department when all of this was over with? <laughs> I don't have anything. Um, that's my third that. question <laughs> when I make that phone call. Because that seems like an, an afterthought, a, a foregone conclusion. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, I just, I'm... I didn't know any, I had never heard of this case and when we sat down 40 minutes ago and now I can't wait to get to the bottom of it. Well, and, and two, this is a very small community and, and we understand a small community and, and you have a little bit of a mob mentality at times. And when yeah, sure. everybody gets convinced Same that here. someone's uh, guilty of something, they, they turn. And, and again, we don't really know why maybe all they had was what the stepmom was telling them. But they had nothing to go on it. And so... Yeah, I mean, they obviously had nothing to go on. And what if the stepmom was making it all up? I don't want to be too hard on law enforcement here because it usually is family first. Yeah, again, as I said, they, they cast that small net mm-hmm. and then it, and then it gets wider. But it, and if the stepmom did do it, and she's... And imagine that she did it. And then they're looking at it from a lens of, well, of course she'd say... They said the guy across the road did it. Okay, I get that. And sure. And then the guy across the road, he's doing the same thing back at her. Yeah. I you guess know? I just don't understand that once the PI came yeah. to them and told them that he had conflicting stories from the two guys that they, according to the PI in this documentary, the law enforcement didn't want to hear it. They were not well and interested in that. That's good. Maybe the PI has some conflicting personalities with somebody on law enforcement. Maybe he's an ex sheriff's deputy that they don't believe in. We dealt with that with the Beatrice six. I mean, the guy who railroaded those six people was, Mm -hmm. you know, he was a sheriff's deputy and the whole community just believed him all the way through until it was totally still still believe him to this day. Yeah. Some of them do. do. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they were weary that the stepmom hired the PI. Or that, yeah. I mean, and and now we're into these small town politics, like you just said, Kelly, where we don't know the intricacies of what was going on in that neighborhood, what the soap opera was, and who knew who and who didn't like who, and and we deal we deal with that here Mm -hmm. to some extent, not not to this extent. The PI states in this documentary that he volunteered his services; that he was not paid by the family. Right, but you know, but I mean, the cops don't know that at the time. I mean, he could say that, and they may not. Well, and I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. All right. I just, Sorry, I'm law very, enforcement. They just sound, this has a smell of. I'm just confused yeah. as to why they. I'm going to try quickly, to get us an update on this. Yeah. I'm just confused as to why they quickly dismissed Nathan. Mm-hmm. Again, it could have been just lack of evidence. Yeah. Well, and the district attorney is on record saying that they will object to any parole applications from either. Now, did Troy waive his right to an appeal? Not that I've seen. Okay, so he he can actually appeal. I mean, I think if I'm Troy, I might be appealing because Nathan is on record saying he pulled the trigger. Mm -hmm. He did not murder anyone. But I guess they came up with this plan together because it's like stated that they they planned for weeks that they were going to kill him. They wanted to know what it felt like to kill someone. They did. And so I'm I'm So in his mind, he was just as guilty. Well, in I think they're just they're not going they to They all hear, had guns. They're both just yeah. as just as guilty. And both of them, you know, were known to like I said they were firing all the time on the property and right. you know, 
they both carried the body and buried the body and then they both went and dug the body up and you know they mm-hmm. were together yeah. the whole time except the one you know everything except the the trigger pulling mm-hmm. it was the two of them instead yep. of just the one of them mm-hmm. i get mm-hmm. it i get that yeah but, so all right hmm. but i'm i'm kind of surprised that he's not tried to appeal yeah um and, i don't know that it'll do him any good but well give him 5 or 10 years and at least uh, try in Tutwiler or or, or Atmore <laughs> or wherever he. I guess is that, is it Atmore if you're a male? Tutwiler's at, for Atmore females. Is, he is not. An anyway, I don't think either one of them are an Atmore. I was looking at that today to kind of see. Oh wait, okay. no, he did. Um, did he appeal? He did appeal. Uh, there you go. But I'm. There's some. He appealed his probation revocation. So. So he's wanting to try to get out earlier, even earlier. Yes. Hmm. Uh, well, some 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 hotshot defense attorney is going to come along and and stumble across this case just the way that you did or the way that we did, and go. You know what? I might could get this kid off and make a name for myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you want to make sure the law is applied properly if you're a if you're a, mm-hmm. a practicing attorney. I mean, this I may be an opportunity think, to do that. Well, looking looking at this situation, I mean, I, I truly think that Nathan Nathan was the brains behind everything. And and he was also the more dominant of the two. I mean, I think you take Troy in any given scenario and minus Nathan, mm-hmm. and Troy doesn't doesn't do anything like this. I yeah. mean, I truly yeah, believe. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, Troy, like I said, he's he's got some drug charges and and things like that. And I mean, I'm not saying he's he's would have never broken the law without Nathan because but, he broke the law before he met Nathan, but. I don't know that he'd have a, he would be in prison for murder. Had yeah, it's one thing to smoke a little weed or 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 steal a six pack of beer from the convenience store. It's another thing to yeah to shoot a fifteen year old boy in the woods and then just, bury his body just for the sport of it. Just yeah. for the sport of right. it. That's what's maddening about uh, this case. I we have been doing this for a year mm-hmm. or more. What more. day is it? Or more. more. We've been doing this for over a year. I have my I can feel my heart rate is just mm-hmm. I have never been so agitated about anything that we've done. Senseless. Absolutely senseless. As I am right this fucking is, now. This is right up there. This is as senseless as our very first case we talked about. Yeah. Remember? Um very well. Uh, Lisa Ann Milliken. That was. Um it's just as senseless as I want to mention the Halloween killer again. The the gentleman is just in his home minding his own business. Yep. Oh, yes. I mean I'm not Ugh. saying I'm not saying that people... All right, you're reminding me that, yeah, maybe I overspoke. I'm not saying that people deserve to be killed, that they're putting themselves in situations. Well, there you go. You got murdered. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not talking about that, but I'm saying when you're in your own home and you're just minding your own business or when you're, you know... <sighs> Walking across the street to visit your neighbor. Because you just want to go get pizza with your girlfriend. I mean... I hope what every other fifteen-year-old wants to do. I hope that guy never makes it out of prison, and I hope he doesn't spend thirty years there. I hope he finds himself in the shower with a sharp blade stuck in his ribs. Mm. Is that too much? Probably, Scott. But that's okay, a little rough, shut it down. Scott. Shut it down. <laughs> a little rough, but yeah, this is you know we we have covered a lot of senseless killing over the, the past year. And this was one of the ones that I would say is, is in the top five of just will make you very angry. I'm ugh, very, very angry. Very frustrated right I'm now. Sorry about that. And there's no, no, there's I mean, no that's good way to end it other than I do feel like justice was served. Ultimately. Yeah. Well, I'm so not, at least we're we can talking bring three months. Like, you know, like, yeah, that's true. It didn't go on for years and years. Right. Right. And, and like, because, Honestly, though, once they found out he was, in fact, murdered, they found the murderers. Mm-hmm. You know, we knew he was missing and we didn't know what happened. But once, you know. And once they were able to, I mean, they brought Troy right in. Yes. I mean, when the, when they got called and and they're saying, okay, this guy is saying this. But it okay, took Troy rolling over and telling his, what did you say, his mother? He, he told, told a, a friend. A friend who told, who told his. Okay. And that friend told his mother. And then that lady she called the cops and and so kudos to both of them yeah. for for 
tailing. Well, you got to get them off. You got to get those two kids off the street at that point, because if you're the mom and the other friend who know about this murder, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're not safe. And so, and, and I do give the cops kudos here for not sitting on that information and not wanting to. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, I mean, maybe they had blinders on. Yeah. For a they while. Were, they were absolutely removed when they get this yeah, call and right. they bring Troy in and it doesn't take him long. And, then and probably tells. mitigating circumstances there that we don't know about. I'm going to see Mm-hmm. What I can learn, and maybe uh, I don't probably want to. We probably want to cut out all the stuff where I shat on the cops earlier. No, but I'm um, sorry, just leave that right on in there, okay? Oh, what great, thanks. <laughs> of course, no, why not? I, I would absolutely love to talk to someone who worked directly with this case and and have a follow up if yeah. if we ever get the opportunity to get a little more inside. Yeah, we're not looking to poke anybody in the eye. We're just looking to tell the story as accurately as we can. Mediocre journalists that we all three are. (laughs) Don't um, bring me down with you. Oh, thanks, hon. (laughs) Drink your Pabst Blue Ribbon from last week that is still sitting on the desk. That is Uh, still sitting on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) And tastes the same. And tastes exactly the same, cold or warm. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so that's Atala, Alabama. And that's the the case of Blake Stone, and our hearts go out to his family and his friends. Yeah, and absolutely senseless and stupid. Absolutely. And, and actually, guys, probably I'm going to say this with all due honesty: this right here is probably one of my favorite cases that we have ever done. And I didn't do a damn thing except sit here and react. You guys did all of the work. It was fantastic, and I. I'm proud to be a part of this. Well, thank you. Thank you. And if you're proud to listen to us and be a part of us, you can follow us on all of the social media outlets. Give us a five-star rating on Mm -hmm. iTunes and give us a comment so we can give you a shout-out. And a t-shirt if we have any left. After last week, we had a run on t-shirts last week. Yep, t-shirts. Sweet. $20 a piece still. We've got some. We'll swap you a 20 for a shirt. I owe somebody 40 bucks. <clears throat> Scott ordered, what did he order? Large XL 2X. Okay, so if you, if you need, if you're a smaller person and you want to dress, mm-hmm. we have a t-shirt Everyone, dress yeah. for you. <laughs> Everyone likes them oversized these days, so come they on. They do, they do. Yeah, well, you just sleep stylish. in it if nothing else. Oh yeah, it makes a great. Uh, do we have any shout outs? Anybody we need to talk about or talk to? Uh, you know, uh, Connie Geimer, while we were taking a break earlier, sent me something that doesn't have anything to do with the next show, but something uh, uh, she found a photograph of her husband, Jeff Harp, who is a state trooper here, mm-hmm. uh, and and someone else that I know uh, when they were children together. And so she sent me that, and she's our biggest fan, one of our biggest fans. She won the, uh, the Zodiac thing. Did she ever yes. get her T-shirt? Not yet that I know of, but Connie, if you're out there listening, we still have it for you in a plastic bag somewhere. Where we probably need to wash it by now. There may be some mold involved, depending on where we stored it, but we'll get you <laughs> That's another one. Terrible. There's no mold. But look, I, Connie, I, don't know. I see her billboard from time to time. Oh, oh yes. You know, she's a nurse practitioner. She's on a billboard for the. Oh, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, then tell her to get off her billboard and come get her t shirts. She's got one as I'm coming to work every day from my house mm-hmm. on nine. Well, Connie, we love you and we love everyone else who listens to the show. Thanks, everybody. Thank uh, and you I, so much. And I, I would just like to yeah. shout out Miss Sandra Parker. Sandra right. is a is a listener of ours and, and she says she she feels like she's just sitting right here with us while we're talking. So Well, you there's are, an empty Sandra. chair if you want to, Sandra. Come and see us next time. You are. And thank you so much for being a listener and, and we love you too and, and we will see you all next time. Good night, everybody. <laughs>